Welcome to I Wish They Knew, a show where leaders in business and education share big ideas that deserve more attention in about the time it takes to enjoy a cup of coffee. I'm Joe Hirsch. Today's wish comes from Gary Ridge. Gary spent more than two decades as chairman and CEO of the WD-40 company, maker of what I believe and will argue till my dying day is the most indispensable product on the planet. And I will take that debate with anyone who wants. He's also an adjunct professor at the University of San Diego where he teaches the principles and practices of corporate culture. And he's also the co-author along with Ken Blanchard of a great book, Helping People Win at Work. Gary's also the founder of The Learning Moment, a consultancy focused on company culture. What can I say? This man knows his culture. Gary, welcome to the show. G'day, Joe. It's just a delight to be with you today. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be with you. So tell me, Gary, what do you wish more people knew? I wish they knew that business has a responsibility to create a place where people go to work every day. They make a contribution to something bigger than themselves. They learn something new. They feel safe and protected by a compelling set of values and they go home happy. And why I wish they knew that is happy people create happy families, happy families create happy communities, happy communities create a happy world. And by golly, we need a happy world and business can really make a dent in that. Okay. So it's part of this virtuous cycle of helping people not only do better work, but feel better about the work that they're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, Aristotle, who was born in 384 BC, said pleasure in the job puts perfection in the work. So surely it's up to us as leaders to do what we need to do to put pleasure in the job. And, you know, a lot of people think pleasure in the job or culture is about, you know, popcorn, pizza and margarita making machines. And it's not about that at all. It's really about two things, ensuring that people feel they belong and ensuring that people know they matter. And finally, a place where people can have continual learning because without learning, we're dead. Okay, so I want to talk about that with you because every every company talks about culture, but very few, I believe, can actually define it for themselves and for those inside the organization. At WD-40 Company, you helped build a culture that was focused on learning specifically. Tell me more about that. Well, learning was definitely a foundational uh, around uh, the culture of WD-40 company. And that's why we we wanted to re- use the, the phrase learning moments instead of failure. You know, one of the things that's so important in culture is creating psychological safety. And I'm not sure that I've en- ever seen anyone feel safe if they're running down the corridor yelling, I failed or I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah. So we said, let's let's not make mistakes. Let's have learning moments. And in fact, If you go back to the beginning of WD-40 company, that's how the company's product was developed. Um, Back in 1953, the company was called Rocket Chemical Company. There was a problem with condensation and corrosion in the umbilical cord of the Atlas space rocket. The chemists got together. There were 39 formulas that didn't work. So they had 39 learning moments along the way. The 40th one worked. And that's why it's called WD, Water Displacement 40th Formula. Now, I'm glad they didn't stop at 39 because I wouldn't be (laughs) talking to you today if they did. And I'm glad 39 didn't work because I don't think WD 39 sounds just as nice as WD. Not as good on the ears. Right. So so these learning moments, they're, they're opportunities to take failure and to frame it in a more positive, more constructive, forward facing way. 
Well, a learning moment is a positive or negative outcome of any situation that needs to be openly and freely shared to benefit all people. So if you have a learning moment that's positive, let's amplify it. Why, why not tell all of those around us? And if you have a, a learning moment that's negative, let's amplify it. So therefore, we're helping others around us not have the same learning moment. Yeah, so it is, it is not so much in the doing, but it's in the, it's in the learning and the relearning. Uh, Absolutely. Of, of what is done that matters. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. You you have a lot of b- beautifully phrased and framed questions um, that are part of this this amazing culture at WD forty. One that really resonates with me, and I, I love the question, and it's a question that's asked all the time. When was the last time you did something for the first time? Why is that such a provocative question for people? Well, I think we're not always aware of the things that we learn around us. Now, for example, this is the first time I've, I've had a conversation like this with you. So this is a first for me. So shouldn't I enter the conversation thirsty for learning from you and also to create that memory because life is about creating positive lasting memories. So if we don't realize occasions where we've done something for the first time and either learned from it or created a memory and banked it, we've lost that opportunity. So it's really important. It's amazing if you ask yourself during the day, how many things did I do today for the first time? And initially you would go, well, not many, and then think about it. And then think about what did I learn from those experiences? How was I curious? And what memory can I take from that and put in my memory bank that I can call upon in the future for some reason um, because it, it was a, an experience that I want to treasure. Mm. So you mentioned the psychological safety, and that is something that leaders can do you know, to create the conditions for these kinds of learning moments. But what I love about this particular question is that it almost puts the onus of learning and on curiosity on the person. You know, the person has to think for himself or herself, what am I doing to meet this moment and to, to push myself past that, that point of comfort, which prevents people from learning? which is the self-awareness is the centerpiece of great leadership. You know, Joe, we're just these humble human beings bumbling our way down this pathway of life. And in the bushes are these thieves that run out and grab us. They're the thieves of, 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 of anger, of, of greed, of, you know, ego. Now, and we get into the bush and, and we say, oh, I, I feel okay here for a minute, but then how did I get there? But if we want to be the person we want to be, we need to keep reminding ourselves. And in fact, on my computer screen and on my little notebook, I have a little little sticker that says, am I being the person I want to be right now? Mm-hmm. And then I say, who is that person? And my list is, I want to be grateful. I want to be caring. I want to be empathetic. I want to be reasonable. I want to be a listener. I want to be fact-based. I want to have a balanced opinion. I want to be curious. I want to be a a listener and a learner. And I want to throw sunshine, not a shadow. Mm. So you would think that a guy like me who is now, you know, in his sixties would have got this kind of worked out. No, I'm not that good. I have to have these reminders about, to be my best self, what do I have to really be aware of? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that self-awareness is the key to understanding yourself and understanding your impact on others. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So the WD-40 company has four pillars uh, as part of its culture. They're, they're really foundational 
Take us through them. Yeah, the first one is care. So the number one responsibility of a leader is the love and care of the people that they have the privilege to lead. And care really is, do I love my people enough to reward and applaud them for doing great work? But am I also brave enough to redirect them when their behaviors are not acting within the values of the company? And unfortunately, what we tend to do is we tend to protect our own comfort zone at the expense of someone else's development. And really, that's not right as a leader. So care is number one. Um, candor is number two. No lying, no faking, no hiding. I believe most people don't lie. I believe they fake and hide. And why do they fake and hide? Because they are afraid of the consequences of admitting a failure. So let's get rid of the faking and hiding by treasuring the learning moment. So care, candor, accountability. And we talk about that a lot in the book that I wrote with Ken Blanchard. Accountability is what do you expect from me as your leader and what can I expect from you? More, most importantly, have we agreed on that? And in the book, we talk about we're not here to mark your paper. We're here to help you get an A. Yes. So if we're here to help people get an A, what does an A look like? If an A walked in the door right now, how would we recognize it? So accountability. And then responsibility is, you know, really understanding that we're responsible for our actions and we're responsible for what we do. So I call it taking out that terrible disease that's usually in, in organizations. You may have uh, recognized that it. it's called na na ni na na It's the <laughs> na na ni na na disease, which is yeah. finger pointing. So yeah. care, candor, accountability, responsibility. Yeah, those are all fantastic. I want to think with you now about how to meld the first two of those foundations, the care and the candor, because culture reveals itself in the difficult moments. Would you agree? No. Okay. I think, I think culture is evident in all moments. Now, it may be tested in difficult moments. Fair. Fair. Okay, so if it's tested in these moments and through the, those tests of character, the culture is, is revealed, um, I'm thinking specifically about these difficult conversations that lie at the heart of most of the friction we experience in the workplace. And the big problem with these difficult conversations is that we have a tendency to either be too caring or too candid. So how would you advise someone to sort of bring those two together so that we're serving the issue, but also serving the relationship and the culture? Well, how we did it at WD-40 is we re relied on our values. And our second value is we value creating positive, lasting memories in all of our relationships. So the responsibility of that is for us to be able to use that value as an on-ramp for a conversation. I'll give you a very quick story around that. I was in a meeting one time early in the morning. We had someone in the room that was not creating positive, lasting memories. Now, this wasn't the normal behavior of Joe that morning. So what do you do as a leader? Number one, you stop the meeting, you reprimand Joe and tell him to behave. Well, eh, don't do that because everyone in the meeting said, thinks to themselves, I just saw the public assassination of Joe and one day I'm going to get shot as well. Do nothing. Well, that doesn't work either because everyone in the meeting kind of says, well, why aren't we living our values here? These, you know, the script is, as I often say, does the script match the video? The script would not be matching the video. Number three, what do you do as a leader? So at the end of the meeting, I said to Joe, Joe, let's go for a walk. And we walked outside the building and 
I, I brought a little bit of humor into the conversation. I started looking at trash can and under a car and Joe says, what the hell are you doing? I say, Joe, the you I know and love was not in that room today. What's on your mind? What's getting in your way? I know you live our value of creating positive lasting memories. And that wasn't you. So Joe opens up and he shares, you know, I had a, he had a bad morning. He kicked his toe on the bed, you know, stuff that didn't matter. So at the end of it, you know, we hug and Joe, whatever, Joe goes back inside and he goes to a couple of people in the meeting and says, hey, sorry, that wasn't me. Well, you know, it wasn't you, Joe. Are you okay? Is there anything that we can do to help you? Next day, what do people do? They go to Joe and say, is everything okay today, Joe? Here's some coffee. So I think if you have an on-ramp that's based around the values, which are agreed behaviors in the organization, then you can enter those conversations with an open heart and a real reason. Mm. What I love about that is that you you provided uh, room for that person to speak to the issue. You assumed positive intent, and ultimately you you did it in a way that preserved that person's dignity, but also did not deny that person's responsibility. Absolutely. Yeah. So what happens when someone doesn't buy into the culture, right? When someone isn't taking that on-ramp, and in fact, they're looking for an off-ramp, and they're, they're a good worker, they're a good person, but they're not abiding by and, and, and upholding the, the company culture. At what point is that, and maybe speak, you can speak more broadly to this or in particular to WD-40 co- company culture, at what point do we say it's just not worth it? Well, remember what I said that we want to send people home happy? Imagine a place where you go to work, blah, blah, blah. That person's not happy. So it's our role to help them have a happy life. So you have a conversation around it and say, you know, obviously, Joe, you're a great guy and you do it, but this culture doesn't, you know, doesn't fit with you. I can see that it's not something you're comfortable with. I want you to be happy in life. You know, life's a, a, a gift. Don't send it back unwrapped. And then how do I help you, you know, move into something that you can be more happy, where you can find your happiness? So it's a, it's a conversation that, you know, WD-40 is a great culture, but it's not for everybody. And, you know, if you don't fit, go somewhere where you fit or change one or the mm. other. Mm-hmm. Again, providing that, that sense of agency for the person to think for himself or herself about what has to happen next. And remember, Joe, that conversation would have happened in, seri- in a series of, of interactions over time. What you, you know, and that's the whole basis of the book that Ken Blanchard and I wrote is, you know, it's not about giving someone a review an- annually. It's about setting up a, pr- a, a practice of having ongoing conversations around agreed outcomes and asking the questions. Are you okay? What's on your mind? What's getting in your way? How can I help? Yeah, I love that. I love that. I want to end with, uh, with, with a sentence stem here, Gary, and I'd love for you to finish it for me. Here it is. The one thing that can crush a culture is? Ego. Tell me more. Well, when ego eats empathy instead of empathy eating ego. And it's because as the leader, it's not about me, me, me. The job of the leader is to help those they have the privilege they lead step into the best version of their personal self. So don't let your ego eat your empathy. Have your empathy eat your ego. Mm. Great cultures begin and end with great caring. And you can tell this person cares a lot. Gary Ridge, thank you for sharing your wish with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please rate and review the show. It helps others find us. For more ideas on how to communicate with impact, 
visit my website, joehirsch.me. See you next time.